Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? The Super Bowl is right around the corner. The final four is set. Brady Rogers on the frozen tundra in Green Bay. Josh Allen and the Bills go to Kansas City. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. In an effort to bring you a variety of topics, that's exactly what this week's podcast is about. If you've been paying attention, we're still not allowed to have competitive sports in the Southern section. Those of us involved in education and sports feel awful for the student athletes we work with and coach. However, there are those finding an alternative to not having student athletes play for their schools. We all know about club soccer, travel basketball, softball, baseball. But now there's been a rise of club football teams popping up all around Southern California and even Northern California. I know there are people who are very much in favor of this and those who may be skeptical. What I hope to do with this podcast is shed some light from both sides of the debate. This may end up being a two-part podcast. I'm going to be talking to people that are very much involved in it as coaches, as parents, some high school coaches as well. I want to get a feel for both sides of this whole thing that is now the new craze, club football. Joining me is uh, Coach Rob Maxey, who is the offensive coordinator at Pasadena High School, and he is very involved in the club football scene. Um, Rob, thanks for taking the time to join me here. Uh, No problem, Tony. Appreciate you having me. How did you get involved in this, and how did you find the kids or get kids to find out to join this? Um, Well, uh, the commissioner of the league, John Jerrigan, is real good. close friend of mine, somebody I consider family. And um, he, when he reached out to the idea that he was starting this league up, um, you know, I was very interested. At first, mainly for putting my past in the high school team in it, as it's our team, to go and be involved in it. And, um, you know, and then later thought, I was like, man, if I do that, then I'm kind of shutting the doors down, you know, for other kids in the, in the, in the past in the community as well in the San Gabriel Valley. And, whoever else or I has interest in, you know, in playing um, on the team. So kind of opened it up. And uh, I've been doing club ball with 707 for like nine or 10 years now. So I'm always kind of coaching year round and kind of been on the club ball scene. And uh, an opportunity came up, um, me and Derek Holmes uh, got on the phone and, you know, and Darnay and uh, we made it happen. Now, do, is your team consisted, does it consist presently of mostly seniors or is there a mix of juniors and seniors? There's a mixture of uh, seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, how did you guys get equipment for the kids? Because I know being a public school teacher myself, you know, our school is not going to just let somebody come and, and get the equipment. So where did you guys get all the stuff? I know some kids have their own stuff. Yeah, some kids have their own stuff, and then for other kids who didn't, the ones we have to provide for, uh, we use this rental company that majority of most of the teams from the Elite Ten probably use also. Um, that that's the rental company, and we just rent it. We're leasing the the pads and the helmets from them. And I'm I'm assuming everything's certified and been through the Noxa certification and everything. Oh, yeah. oh, of course, yeah, of course, yes. Now, how difficult was it getting the kids? to come together and and learn how to to be a team, to learn how to work together, to learn, you know, your offensive system or your defensive system, or are you still ironing those kinks out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think any coach that's putting together a club team saying that uh, they're off and running and everything's uh, schemed in, they're, they're probably lying because, um, you know, it's pretty tough um, 
I mean, it's tough to have a team prepared to go, um, you know, um, with with a whole spring, summer, and, and and fall camp before you play your first week zero game normally. So um, to do what we have to do in the in the limited weeks, you know, is very challenging. And um, me and our staff, man, we just do a great job of uh, preparing the kids, keeping it simple, um, you know, keeping it simple, uh, let the kids have fun and run around and go make plays. I was talking to somebody today, um, and he said that he's had kids tell him that they are having so much fun doing this. And I've I've seen a lot of positives from it. What are the positives that you're taking away from this? That that you know, high school sports are shut down for you know a, a myriad of reasons, but now these kids have a chance to get out and and not only compete, but but to release some of that energy and to get out and have some fun. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, some of these kids have been doing this their whole life, you know, and this is what they know. This is their outlet. And um, to be going through what most of us been going through, but mainly the student athletes, as far as the question of not being able to play, it's been kind of stressful for them. And then when opportunity came, you know, um, all of them are just excited uh, to be able to get out there and, do what they love, you know, and I just play football, you know, and, um, you know, some people think that, uh, you know, the pandemic and a lot of things is bigger than that, but, you know, well, you know, a lot of kids in life right now, man, are, you know, they need football as an outlet. That's what they always had as in life as an outlet was football. And, um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people don't agree with what we're doing at this time, but, um, there's also a lot of people that support it, you know, and, um, and I'm just one of the guys that believe no matter what you do in life, nobody's going to be 100% behind you. There's always going to be some naysayers and some people that's going to doubt or disagree with what you got, what you got going on. So uh, I try not to – don't put too much energy into them people um, and just put more energy and time into the guys that I want to coach, that want to be coached by me and the guys that go out here to have fun. We see – you know, the, you see it all over, you know, the internet right now, all over social media – how do you establish a, a team culture for guys that are, say, seniors, that this is their last chance that they may not have that, you know, that big time offer They're They're scrambling to get film out there for a coach. How do you kind of get that team attitude, uh, get the individualness out of it and say, hey, guys, we're still trying to function as a team. I know you need your film and I know you need the ball. How do you juggle all that? I mean, it's kind of tough, but I think those are just certain things that um, you don't want to find out on game day and you kind of uh, just be straightforward and direct with um, with the player. And you want to kind of get a, a feel on <clears> – sorry about that. You also want to get a feel on um, what are the what – what, uh, what are the purpose that most of these guys are out here for, you know, and I have a good mixture of – different reasons of kids that's on my team that they're out there for different reasons, you know, and um, you, you kind of get that information and you kind of do your best to go about, of, uh, you know, how you, how you guys are going to move forward as a team, because um, for me, for one, I'm a very competitor. So when I show up to something, you know, um, I, I'm showing up to win, not to participate. So, um, and just to preach that into the kids, like, you know, um, for one football is just about having fun. So for one, um, we're going to have fun. This isn't going to be about a certain individual on the team, and you know, and if you know, if kids or families have issues with that, then you know there are probably other club teams around that they should probably go join. And team chosen one wasn't for them. And um, so I think from day one, just kind of preaching and what we're about and, and what our goal is as a team, it kind of just helped a lot with all that. And uh, of course, you know, we get into the first game. Um, like, I have a lot of good, talented kids that are coming from programs that are used to playing both sides of the ball, never coming off the field for two to three years. And now they're splitting reps, rotating in, and um, it, it's hard to adjust to. I mean, like a coach like myself, I'm used to having eyes in the skies, you know, in, in huddle sideline. And unfortunately, I don't have that right now. So it's a little bit of something that we all have to adjust to. But if this is what we want, we all have to uh, accept our role and, and do our best. And there are those kids that may not be chasing that scholarship because they realize, hey, you know, I'm the five foot seven inch kid that weighs 150 pounds, but I just love football. 
I just want to go out and compete. I know that, you know, Alabama is not going to be ringing my phone for me to go play there. I just want to go have fun. And you've created a spot for that kid as well. Oh, yes, of course. Well, we had tryouts in. Um, we took the best football players who we thought were the best football players, no matter the school, no matter the prior relationships. If you were a good football player from our evaluations, then those are the guys that we took, you know, and, um, and, it, and it sucks, you know, because there were some guys that aren't, that, you know, this team just wasn't meant for them, you know, and uh, and this, that was probably like one of the toughest things of doing this is uh, – because you really don't cut kids in high school for your team. You know, like most high schools, especially public schools nowadays, you don't got room to cut. You need every roster. You need every you need every uh, body that you get that comes out there. So um, it, that, was, that part was kind of tough. Um, but life goes on. We're living going through tough times right now as well. And um, that, was a, that was the toughest part about it. But like I said, on every football roster and every – Top school got got the D1 guys and they got the program guys. And, you know, the program guys are the guys that you wish that you can have 20 or 30 of these kind of kids on your team. You know, and we definitely have a few of those kind of kids on our team without a doubt. Now, I, I think it's a fantastic idea because we see club soccer, we see travel baseball, we see travel softball, we see, you know, the 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 travel basketball and stuff. What is the future of this and as a high school coach, how do you think it will affect traditional high school football? Well, the way that I see it going moving forward is that, um, especially in sports, especially in the club sport game, that once something, once something's going on, it's going to continue to go on. Um, so I, I definitely see club football being something that will be here every year moving forward. And how is it going to go? How is it going to affect high schools? None of us kind of know, kind of just got, you know, can make predictions of it. And, and I feel like that um, most schools' top guys will opt from playing for them and will go play club ball. Um, traditional high schools will still have rosters. They'll still have kids to go and participate in uh, organized CIF sports. Um, I mean, we're talking 40, 40 to 45 kids, and you might lose your two best players to club ball. You know, which just opens up the door and opportunities for kids on that team who probably wouldn't have got those opportunities if those two studs would have stayed on that team. So um, I see it benefiting both. Um, I see it benefiting the kids that are at some programs because there's a lot of programs who um, don't have great coaches, who coaches who don't put in great effort and getting their kids exposures and getting their kids recruited. Um, you know, those 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 coaches at those programs won't have their top guys, you know, but they'll still have um, about 40 more kids to still coach up for a CIF season. And for the club ball, it just makes it more elite because you will have pretty much majority of top guys um, from the state that will only participate in club ball. So then are you saying that maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that if I'm a football coach at XYZ High School and I lose my guys, is this going to be a fall thing or, or a spring thing? Well, right now, right now, I think that most high school coaches are guessing that, you know, I see comments like, oh, no way that kids can play tackle football year round. Oh, it's too much pressure on the body. Well, nobody said that club ball come around that it's only going to happen when CIF is done, I mean, uh, somebody can start a fall league up um, in the fall and kids are going to decide whether they're going to play for you or they're going to play for them, you know, and um, that's what it's going to come down to. I think, I don't think that it's going to hit the springtime, you know, um, how it is now. I think that the way that it came into the game this year was because of the circumstances that we're under and this is our only way to play football. But when things get back to normal, club ball is going to be another option to play, to go and play football. And um, I don't really see too many um, guys or organizations that will have a kid go from playing a, a, a 10 to 14 game season, depending on their, their team success, to then turning them back around and playing the eight to nine game club ball tackle season. Um, I just, I just don't think that um, it's safe for the student athletes uh, for one um, it's just too much of a wear and tear that if it happened year round like that. But 
I see it being I just see it being another option instead of you know certain kids want to want to want to reach and this is the reason why most kids transfer from high school to high school they they're going out to and they're chasing different goals than probably ninety five percent of their teammates from the other high school so again I think that it will benefit both um, I just think that most of these coaches that uh, sit on their ass um, in the off season and expect kids from and you know student athletes that you know, live in their school district to automatically fall in their lap. And it's not going to – I mean, it hasn't even been that way now, you know, so it's not going to get any better. So I just advise coaches, man, to, to start, you know, putting in a little bit more work than what the required timesheet is um, requiring them to at their jobs. But if I'm a kid and I'm a top player, what is my incentive to leave my high school where my high school coach may have – have those college contacts. He may be one of those guys that's been around for a long time. He's gotten guys recruited, gotten guys to all levels of, of college football, and, and even in some cases to the NFL. What incentive would there be for me to leave my high school to then go play club? I mean, again, it depends on the situation. I mean, like I said, if a kid is at a program that has a coach and a staff that's working and they're known for doing this, then – there's no big point to leave or go look elsewhere, you know, but if you're playing at a smaller division school and your coach, you know, doesn't have connection, colleges aren't automatically coming by your school in the springtime, then you might want to look at other options. And it's the same, it's the same reason why kids leave um, their, their respective schools now, you know, when the seven on seven club ball thing hit the scene, um, just another way for other coaches who are out there working year round to get around kids who are chasing a goal and want and want more exposure, you know, and um, want to be around the guys who can get them the college looks. And it just is. I just feel like it's going to be the same thing. Just club tackle now. You you mentioned a minute ago about about safety and playing too much football. Um, I I did read something and correct me if I'm wrong here. There was a a couple of teams that I believe played two games in two days. I believe it was in Bullhead, Arizona. Are do you are you aware of that? Yeah, that's the league that I, I participate in. Okay. My question is, how smart is it to have kids play two full-contact football games in two days if we're concerned about safety? Well, well my team is a little different because, um, again, um, we, we, we have the depth to do that. We you know guys aren't playing every play, both games in a row. Um, we have a great rotation and we, and that's what we pretty much did the first two games. And so really when it comes down to it, when you look at the reps, you probably didn't even still play one full game, you know? So, um, but again, you look at the schedule, it's like, oh, they're playing back-to-back games, but, but granted too, there were some teams that didn't have the depth that we we're blessed to have. And, you know, those, Kids went out there and um and played two games back to back or even more, but you know I can only worry about and control what I can control. And uh, with team chosen one, it wasn't you know it wasn't a big deal for us because again we have about forty plus something kids that all play and split reps in those two games. Like I have three quarterbacks, you know, so three quarterbacks, you know, for um for two games is pretty much two two quarters that they all played. You know, it's not a full game. It's not wear and tear on their body. So, again, it's just, you know, that kind of stuff, I agree, like the safety of it. Uh, if, you, if you're out there with 20-some kids and everybody has to play back-to-back games, then it might not – it was something that I wouldn't do. I'm not saying that the guys who did it are wrong for it, but it's just something that I wouldn't have had done. Um, right. Well, I mean, I – I can say it. I, I think it's wrong, and I don't think that they're very smart for doing that because you're you're putting, you know, that the health of 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 a of a 16-year-old kid whose body really isn't mature at risk by having him take a pounding. Now, a quarterback's not going to take the kind of pounding that a running back or a linebacker is. Um, and and I, you know, I can honestly say that I don't agree with it. But if you got guys that are you're splitting reps and everything, then you know, hey, that's 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 on you guys as a staff. Um, last thing before I let you go, because I want to talk to other people about this. I, I see you going back and forth, you know, not you, but a lot of people on, on social media about the, the good and the bad about this. What is the biggest issue 
that that is going on right now? And what uh, what are some of the kinks that need to be ironed out for this whole thing? Um, I think one is that guys who cover sports and who's known for covering sports and who's been covering um, high schools and, you know, they need to stop trying to, you know, turn into health um, informants while we're in the pandemic and just kind of stick to their job. Um, because for one, you know, we, we know that you're a sports writer, so you continuously tweeting about health and these are um, prohibited against state rules and stuff like that. It still is not your place. You know, I mean, you know what we know. And, um, you know, I'm a football coach. I stick to I stick to coaching football. You know, I don't go and start acting like I can teach a, a basketball team how to run a triangle or give advice to a basketball team about how to run a triangle. So um, I think that's just one of the big things about it um, is just that you just got people that, you know, don't agree with it. But as you can just see, the state of California is people – most people don't agree with stay at home rule and all this kind of stuff that's going on, wear your mask. So again, there's always going to be division in it. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, if, if, if it's their, uh, our, our school districts, um, health worker that's tweeting out, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. Like, I can, I can understand that and respect that more. That's the profession and that's what they know more than any of us do. But mostly sports writers and guys who just cover sports are just, you know, you can go to their Twitter page and all, all you've seen is coronavirus stuff and this and that and this and that. And they're not even educated on it, you know? Well, so I'm, I'm sure you guys are paying attention to the numbers. And, and recently the, the numbers in, in Riverside County are up. They're up in San Bernardino County and they're up in Los Angeles County. So if, if the numbers are up, whether a sports writer is, you know, tweeting about it or quoting an article or something, you know, the numbers are pretty factual that, that they're, that they are up. And the number of cases, we see it on the news that hospitals are being overwhelmed. You know, frontline workers are, are exhausted with, with, you know, not enough facilities and, and not enough hospital beds and stuff. And maybe they're looking at it going, and these guys are out playing football, just ignoring all that. Is, is that true or not? I mean, it can be true. Um, but, you know, again, hasn't much sports been going on youth-wise since the pandemic hit, since the numbers reached the peak and stuff like that. And then they just, you know, getting on there and trying and just pointing the finger, like, where the blame for the, for the rises in the numbers is just ludicrous to me. Like, it's just ridiculous that you think that, my 50, you know, my 50 total people that participate in my chosen one program on a reason why thousands and thousands of numbers are going up per day, you know, and um, again, um, it's, just a, it's a weird situation that we're in and some of us are deciding to move one way and, and others are deciding to move another way. And, um, and that's just, you know, that's just my take on it. You know, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not a COVID believer in, you know, I wear my mask, I, I, I do safety protocols or whatever um, they suggest, you know, because I'm not out just looking like, oh, I don't care about Corona. I don't care if I catch it. You know, I, I do care. I know people that's lost family members and, you know, that's from Corona. So I definitely believe that the virus is real, but um, life must go on at the end of the day as well. Well, Rob, I want to thank you for taking the time. It's, you know, it's great getting, I've, I've been on social media. I've seen, you know, the, the posts, the back and forth. And, and I, I just wanted, I thought it was an opportune time to do a podcast on this. I'm going to try and secure a couple other people to, to talk about it. I want to get both sides of everything. And, and I thank you for taking the time to join me here today and, and give me your perspective on what you guys are doing with Team Chosen. Thank you so much, Rob. Uh, no problem, man. Any, any, uh, anything in the future any, uh, you want to talk about, whatever, always feel free to hit me up. Again, I'm always right. going to speak my mind, and I'm always going to stand up for what I believe in. So, you and I, I appreciate that. And 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 I'm I'm going to ask you know some of those those let's say controversial questions about hey, what is the motivation here and 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 that type of stuff. So you know, thank you for being candid. Thank you for being honest. And and I've got your number, and we will definitely be in touch in the future. Yeah, most definitely. Before we head out, I just want to say that, you know, with Team Chosen One, it's not just about football. You know, it's about giving a lot of our seniors and these kids that, <clears throat> you know, season probably was taken away to possibly still get some kind of money for college from a program 
um, that probably would have nothing if we don't play football. You know, and so far, we're doing a great job at achieving one of our goals. You know, we have about five or six kids, seniors, 21 kids that had no kind of financial money, no kind of no kind of money at all for college. And they have that now, you know, so and we're going to continue to work at work that goal out, you know. So, again, you know, people is not going to like it. Um, but, you know, to see a kid um, go to college and, it, it, you know, that's what I, that's what motivates me. So I'll continue to do that. And, and I agree with you, and, and I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on that, that, you know, when you look at, at schools, not necessarily the big Division One schools, but if you look at a lot of the Division Two and the Division Three schools, Division Three schools don't give athletic scholarships. Everything they give is based on academics. And I think, and I'm sure you guys are doing this, are preaching the academic side of things to these kids, because when you really look at it, there's a lot more academic scholarship money out there than there is athletic scholarship money. And maybe a kid with a high GPA can get athletic money and and academic money from a school. Yeah, and then you look at that, you get those two things. The school costs forty thousand, but those two packages, you can get thirty six, thirty eight thousand. It's damn near like a scholarship to me, you know. And uh, that's why we're attacking a lot of NAIA schools a lot more because they give out a whole lot more money for academic and um, athletic um, funds toward towards the kids. So. Um, you know, I have I have a couple athletes that picked up um, financial packages that's going to pretty much cover them for free to go to school if they decide to go to that school and play football. Um, you know, but then there's there's some coaches that are leading these kids on the wrong way and thinking that they still got Division One hopes in Division One schools. There aren't recruiting twenty one kids no more. You know, uh, I think it's like you know a zero point nine percent chance that a kid can get a Division One scholarship right now from from playing club ball. That's a, a senior right now. They're just moved on. They got to have a lot of seniors that aren't letting scholarships go that will be returning to play for them next year. So the window just is pretty much closed for that. But um, there's other opportunities, you know. And, um, again, people within my program know that, and they decide to stay and, and chase Division Two, Division Three, or NAIA packages. You know, any option and options are better than, than – having no options. So exactly coach. And I, I applaud you for doing that. And, and once again, thanks for taking the time and um, I'll, I'll be on the lookout and, and watching some of these games in the future. All right, Tony, you have a good one. All right, Rob, thank you so much. Being home with hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities, their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. With the new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus get free shipping with code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try the snack pack combo featuring small plates with big flavor, beef wellington, steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically, every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. Joining me now is head football coach, Crespi High School, Damian Porter. Uh, Damian, thanks for taking the time to to talk to me about this I don't know. Is it a phenomena? Is it something that's going to stay, or is it something that's just passing in the wind that is now club football? Thanks for having me. Um, always got time for you. Um, nothing but time on our hands these days. Regarding your question, um, you know, I, I personally, you know, would like to see um, club football stick around. I, I think I think there's a an appetite for it, and I think it can coexist if done the right way. 
Um, so no, I, I don't think it's going to go away. I think this environment has given birth um, to this new concept. And I do think um, that when it's all said and done and we're able to get back to some type of normalcy, I do think there will be proof of concept um, as it pertains to club football. It's just a matter of, you know, putting the structure together, the timing of, you know, the timing of it, you know, where does it fall on the calendar? Um, how do we do it safely? Uh, and more importantly, you know, how does it become a, 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 a fabric of the youth football community? But I, I think it's here to stay. Now, do you think that it's going to be a spring thing? Or do you think maybe that if it gets wildly popular that they may try and, they, you know, not that they, the organization, the people behind this may try and do it in the fall? I think that's the unknown. Um, do I think there will be an appetite and a demand for, for kids to play club football in the fall? Yes. Um, how great of a demand? I don't know. But but this is what we do know. In, in the state of Southern California, in the state of California, um, you know, th th there is a lot of public schools and, and a few private schools that, 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 that play competitive football. If you're just talking about the Southern section, you're talking about 500 schools, 450 public schools and 50 private schools. Not all schools are created equal. You know, there's a lot of public schools out there, man, that are not able to um, provide the necessary resources for, 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 for a high school football program to grow and thrive. And so I do think that the schools that have throughout the years not been able um, to put out, roll out a, 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 a developmental uh, product and process for, for young uh, student athletes and, and those schools, school districts and high schools that maybe failed to support the, the coaching staff and give those guys and, and gals what they need to be supportive and, and to be effective. I, I think club football is going to attract some of those kids. Um, I still think, you know, uh, academic based, scholastic based education is the way to go for, for, for high school sports. And I still think that we will continue to see that. Uh, from a traditional standpoint. But I do think much like high school basketball and soccer and baseball have all been infiltrated and affected by the club uh, the club structure, uh, I think the same thing is going to happen for football. And and let's be honest with ourselves here. There are a lot of schools, a lot of school boards that that would probably like to see football go away because, number one, it, it is a huge expense for the schools. The insurance, the liability, all of those things – those, those big elephants in the room that people don't really want to address because football is the gold standard for schools because it brings in a lot of money, but then again, it costs a lot of money. 100%. And I do also believe that I think a lot of us, you know, we, we, we fail to, to recognize the reality of being, you know, a high school sports coach or participant, right? At the highest levels that we all, you know, kind of look up to, the NFL and the college guys, kind of the people we – we, we watch on the weekends and, and, and study and, and admire. At those levels, it's about revenue production. And at our level, you know, it's not about producing revenue. It's about uh, providing an extracurricular activity uh, for most kids. And then the top 1% of those kids who participate in our extracurricular activity, those kids get a chance to go on and play football at a level that does produce revenue. But there isn't a lot of correlation when it comes to revenue production for high school programs, it costs most schools a lot of money to put a high school product out there on the field. And much like you said, if it's become a situation where the school, when they weigh the cost benefit of it, I think most public schools would rather not have it. And I think because of that reason, because we see this demand and the coaches and, and, and the families that are willing to step up and, and make that choice, um, I think that demand will, will be supplied by some coaches Hopefully it can be done in a safe uh, and professional way. Do you think that there are a lot of guys that are out there right now that, that, you know, when you see a lot of these, you know, the youth coaches, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, soccer, it's, it's the dad coaching. Have you seen in your experience with club football that there are people that are not really qualified to do it, that really don't know, you know, how to teach proper tackling, how to teach the proper technique and stuff like that? Yes. So my, my kids are nine years old. I have nine-year-old twins, you know, a, a daughter and I have a son. And they both are now, you know, club participants. And so, you know, my, my son plays youth football. My daughter plays soccer. And I see varying levels of 
knowledge and expertise on the club scenes. No more than I see at the high school level. Now, I think high school coaches are held to a higher standard when it comes to some of our qualifications and the the, the education, uh, the certification aspects um, of, of what we're required to do. Um, and I think that structure uh, provides a, a, a higher level of expectation when it comes to uh, all of the events and how they're run. Um, have I seen uh, coaches, you know, who are dads or coaches who don't necessarily have the the requisite expertise and knowledge base that it takes to teach the games the right way? Absolutely. And I think ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. Because unlike other sports that are non-contact sports, football is unique in that way. And so in order to teach the game of football and, and, and as it pertains to contact, I do think that comes with a certain amount of knowledge and experience that a lot of people need to consider before joining a team. Um, and I think if, you, if there's ways to do that, um, I do think there will be uh, a, a growth in the industry. Are, are there going to be some teams that are not well run? Are there going to be some leagues that are, that are not well run? Is there going to be some, some coaches that are um, not as well equipped as others? Yes, um, but no different than any other club environment. I just think the risk are greater in our sport because of the contact nature of it. Well, and when you look at high schools as well, you see, you know, when I go out and do games and, and see games, I see teams that are well-coached, well-prepared, well-disciplined. They're, they're kids, you know, they're, you can tell. And then you can see that there's, wow, that's that coach, maybe he's young, maybe he just doesn't have the experience, that maybe it's not such a well-run organization like, like, like a Crespi, like a modern day, like a Servite, like a, you know, a, a Sierra Canyon or places like that. And I think that could create a problem. But hopefully, like you said, we get going in the right direction where there are, you know, certification processes, classes, clinics that guys can go to that, that can help them. Yeah, I think providing the resources for professional development is going to be key. Um do I think that's going to happen before this thing really starts to take off? Probably not. Um, as a society, sometimes we tend to be a little bit more reactive than, than we are proactive when it comes to these types of things. So as a coach, um, that, that, that does work you know, for an organization. It's, it, I would like to see our kids enter that environment um, in a way that allows uh, for them to have all of those boxes checked. That would be my advice to any family. Um, that was going to pursue that as an option is to make sure that you can assess and research the certification and backgrounds and experiences of the guys that are going to be coaching. And if you feel comfortable with it, um, obviously feel free to make that decision. But I think managing your expectations is a, is a greater um, uh, a point of emphasis um, as, as families sort of research the club environment. Because I, I think, as you mentioned, for families that may have, that may have kids who attend public schools or, you know, even some public schools that, that have a lot of support in their community. I do think there's a different level of, of, of an expectation. I, um, the, the club environment lends itself to a lack of oversight, um, a lack of, of professional expectations, um, a, a lack of, of, of credibility at times, um, and maybe even a, a lack of, of, of competitive uh, of honesty. Uh, and so I think all of those things, you know, you have to consider um, and I think lastly, as you compare the club environment to the high school environment, I, I think the thing that people have a really hard time with with the club football thing is because football is, is, is the ultimate team sport, right? Football involves sacrifice and brotherhood. And club sports really is about the individual. It's not so much about winning. It's not so much about, you know, growth, team growth. It's more about individual development and individual success so that that success can be marketed and hopefully translate it into a college opportunity. I think there are a lot of people who are afraid to see, you know, football become a club sport because of the sanctity and traditions of what it means to be part of a football team. And I think if we can all wrap our heads around that, that it's okay uh, for kids to have that experience alongside of their high school experience, especially if it means becoming a better football player and having opportunities to grow and develop. And when you say the whole, you know, the it's, more of an individual I'm trying to get you know my my exposure out there because I want this scholarship and 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 my big thing and and you're an educator and I'm an educator is 
what what I think people fail to understand is that there's more academic scholarship money out there than there is athletic scholarship money out there. Let's let's take you know um, a couple of kids on your team, the Salerno brothers, that Chris just got a preferred walk on to Notre Dame, but he didn't he didn't get that preferred walk on until they looked at his transcript and said, yes, we can we can admit you into the school. Do you see? Do you think that people? are chasing this dream athletically. Their kids may be gifted athletically, but they kind of kind of negate the academic side of this? Um, yes and no. I think yes, when it comes to the idea that I can I can gain exposure, you know, through 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 my club experience. No in the sense that I think parents are a lot more realistic when it comes to their child's um you know, p- potential. I think the biggest miss, and what I'm saying, the reason I say yes, I know is because I think both parents and both kids exist. The biggest misconception, the, the 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 most under the most misunderstood narrative that's being written about the kids and families that are choosing to play club football is that every kid is out after a scholarship, and that's simply not the case. There are there the vast majority of these kids are playing simply because they want to hang out with their friends. It's that simple. Now, are there some kids that are going to benefit from the extra film and benefit from the reps and get more exposure and get scholarships? Yes. But there are a bunch of kids out there that I know, families that I know, who have no unrealistic expectations of receiving a scholarship. But their son has seen, they've seen a change in his attitude, his work ethic in the classroom. They, they, they see a kid who is in, in a better mood whose mental and emotional states have become more consistent. See, there is a mental and a psychosocial aspect to, to competitive football as well. And no one wants to talk about that. Everyone wants to make it about the traditions and the moral condemnation when the reality is there are just kids and families who just miss the sport. And, and, and that's okay. Yeah, and what we've been going through the last, you know, almost almost a year, so many kids have lost out you know, on, on their seasons, on their practices. And, and I remember summer football. I remember going through two a days and, and, you know, doing the conditioning and, and being around your teammates. And there's something to be said for, you know, working really hard together for a common goal, which does help your psychosocial development. And I think that you're, you know, a lot of kids need this. They don't necessarily want it, but they desperately need it because they need to get out of the house. They need to be around other people and doing something other than sitting in their house and playing Fortnite all day long. One hundred percent. And I believe that is the point that everyone is missing. I'm on social media. I don't see anyone talking about that. Anyone that's trying to drive a narrative. People that are responding to the narrative are parents, assistant coaches, people that are reminding the main narrative drivers, what this is really about. But a lot of the main narrative drivers want to point to all the negative aspects of what might be transpiring on some of these, during some of these experiences. And there are going to be positives and negatives in both, right? And when 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 you text me and said that, hey, you're talking to this CEO down in Arizona about possibly covering some games. See, to me, that's a positive approach. Now, does that mean you're going to go down there and be blown away? by the event probably not you'll probably go down there and see some things that that don't sit well with you but then as a responsible as responsible adults why not pick up the phone and i'm not talking about you specifically i'm just giving you an example right because i know you personally but why not if i go down to the event and i see some things that were not you know that could be done better and i'm invested enough and willing to help why not pick up the phone or send an email to a guy that runs the league and go, hey, you know, as a high school coach or a former high school coach, you know, we used to do this or that. And that would help, you know, with this process or help make this a little bit more efficient for you and look to give these guys some help. Um, the guys who need it to me, that's coming together and trying to find a positive way to give the kids because that's what it's about to give the kids the best possible experience possible. Too many of the adults are bickering over what's important to them, and there's not enough focus being placed on the kids. Yeah. Do you see that, uh, you know, I know the positives, it's the exposure for kids. Are there any negatives that you see? Is there too much football that if you go to a, a contact league in the spring, 
Is that too much contact for high school kids? I don't believe so. You'd have to, 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 I'm not an expert on it. Um, but, but I know we're not examining or, or really thinking about anything that's not happening in other States, you know, Florida, Texas, uh, Ohio, the other big football States all have a high school spring structure built into their program. Meaning, you know, like at the four-year level, at the college level, there's a four to five week period that the schools get, you know, in March and a couple of weeks in April, it's like five or six weeks to have a, a limited number of practices and a limited number of scrimmages. The same thing's being done in Texas and in Ohio. Those The high school teams, they have spring ball. And the college coaches will tell you that in those states, some of those kids come out of high school with a little bit more development. They're a little bit further along in terms of their development because they've had those extra what amounts to, you know, 25 to 30 weeks of training in the spring. And so if done right with a limited number of practices, a limited number of, you know, contact scrimmages, I do think it would be appropriate to have high school kids, you know, um, participate in a spring, a shortened spring season consisted of four to six weeks, two to three practices per week. And then you play a few games or scrimmages in the spring. I don't think we'd be asking the kids to do, or I don't think the kids would be doing anything that's not being done in other States. If it's done in the spring, how do you think it will affect you like Crespi's spring practice or anybody's spring practice? If you have kids that say, coach, I'm going to go play in this club league and I'm not going to come to spring practice. How would that affect you as a head coach of, of a team that does their own spring practice? Well, um, <laughs> I would say that for, for any kid that attends our school, um, they all are expected, you know, if we're having workouts, you know, we don't have a lot of expectations or sort of rules in our program. Um, but one of the very few expectations that we do have is that if we're working out or we're training and we're practicing, you need to be here. Um, so I don't, I don't think that's going to change in terms of our expectations. Um, our families and our kids are very, very committed to what it is that we do here. Um, but I, I do see the potential uh, that, that that you bring up, you know, for, for those kids who may be conflicted between, you know, attending, you know, there's high school spring practice or, or, or you know, a, 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 a padded experience um, with the club team. Uh, and so I would say again, you know, for us, um, if, if there is club football in the spring, we're going to try to find a way to, 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 to participate so that kids don't have to make that choice. Um, why, why run around in t-shirts and shorts um, when you can have a padded experience um, if again done in the right way, um, and and and, and in, a, in a positive way, I see the benefits of that. Um, so if there's club football, I don't know that we would necessarily be in a situation um, where we would force the kids to have to make a choice. As a supporter of it, um, I, I I likely um, have some type of padded experience ourselves to be able to offer our kids. The last thing before I let you go, the the multi-sport athlete. We've seen the whole specialization thing just kind of explode like nobody's business. And, and the, the multi-sport athlete is, you know, kind of fewer and far between. Will this affect the multi-sport athlete where you've got a kid that says, hey, coach, you know, I'm going to make spring practice, but, but I'm on the lacrosse team. And you look at that kid and say, well, hey, at least he's playing something or he's on the track team. He's working on his speed. Um, he's, you know, your linemen are, are, are throwing the, are, are putting the shot and throwing the discus and doing those other things. Will it negatively affect the two sport kid or the two sport kids that are really good, just good enough to do it without anybody really caring? I think that's where we kind of fall with it. Right. So if a kid is playing another you know, a spring sport, I wouldn't have any expectation as a football coach that he joined a club, you know, um, experience in the spring I, it, I that's choosing one over the other i don't think that's necessary i do think that there are a lot of kids who play other sports because they don't have a spring developmental opportunity right so for instance we made all the linemen throw the shot put last year but there's only how many how many shot put entries can you have in one event and 14 linemen on a team that only requires three participants and all of our linemen were doing that stuff simply because there was nothing for, for them to do. Now, will it affect some kids? For sure. You can't, you can't expect, you know, um, uh, to bring uh, tackle football into the spring calendar and not have it affect certain kids. Absolutely. But I don't think 
as as a coach, it's in it it would be necessary for me um, to put a kid in a situation where he would have to make that decision. I still value the kids who play lacrosse. We still value the kids that run track. We're never going to devalue that experience. However, we have a the, the majority of our guys that play other sports, and I'm talking about Crespi. If you're asking me about Crespi, the majority of the guys that play a secondary sport aren't doing it to excel. They're doing it because we require them to do it. So at the end of the day, um, you know, they've got nothing else to do. If there's a chance for a lineman, for instance, right, um, who goes to shot put, but, you know, he's the fifth or sixth shot putter. So he's going to practice, but in the, in the events, he doesn't really help the team. Um, there is, he can't play basketball. You can't, you know, play lacrosse, right? All these other high level skills that he can't perform. That's the kid that I believe would benefit from a spring football um, opportunity. And the kids that have that skill are the kids that are going to excel in whatever sport, whenever they play, whenever they start to come back to, you know, you've got a kid that can play basketball that can come back and then do spring football or can play right. lacrosse and then go to football practice and still excel. And, and those yeah. are, those kids are, 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 they're just special athletes. And I think that is the difference. We got to, we have to, realize and understand that not every kid falls into the same category. Not every kid needs to play spring ball to develop, right? Is he going to go play track or play baseball because he's a stud in that he would, he would, he's not playing tackle football in the spring because he doesn't need it. And he can, there's another sport for him to go excel at. See, and I think that's, I want to, I really want to like emphasize that there's a difference between playing two sports and excelling in two sports. I, I agree hundred percent. I, I could be a two sport guy and, you know, maybe, maybe see a couple plays on the football field and then, you know, be the last guy off the bench on the basketball team. I'm on the team, but am I really a, a contributor? And that is the kid we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about the kid like Jackson white was our starting defensive end. He went, he went and got 16 sacks, took a week off and went and was the sixth, fifth man on the basketball team. And he so, excelled at, and, he, and he excelled on on the basketball court too. He excelled in basketball. So had there been a spring football season for him or some type of club opportunity that conflicted with basketballs, he wouldn't have been in a situation to play club basketball because he was a high contributing member of the of the basketball team. So he wasn't going to play club football. So ultimately, kids will decide, right? If if a kid is a has a secondary sport where he's a contributing member to the team, then he doesn't really have a, it's not really a choice for him. He, he contributes and is a part of his team. The kids who don't have a secondary sport that they can compete and po- and have a positive contribution to, those are the kids that are going to choose the specialization because they see that as their ticket to finding an opportunity to go on to the next level. It's so nuanced in context. It's not just as simple as the, how is this going to affect the two sport athletes? Yeah, yeah. Well, Damien, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, talk to me about this. I, I think it's something new. I think it's something unique, uh, like you said, and, and like other people I've talked to have said, this is not going to go away because there is a demand for it. And it will be interesting to see that once this pandemic is over, once we get back to a normal football season, what happens a year from now with spring football and, and a possible spring football league? Joining me now is all everything quarterback from Servite High School, Noah Fafita. Noah, thanks for taking the time to join me today to to talk about the whole club football phenomenon that's going on. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, like I tell people, I'm I'm trying to get as many people as I can um, to get an impartial view of this whole thing. I I like I tell people I don't have a dog in this fight. It, it really doesn't matter to me. I just like to see kids playing and because we're all holed up still in our in our homes and kids aren't in school. But how did you get involved with this? And and what's this opportunity been like for you? So I, I participated in um, a couple of winter circle mark scrimmages in the past. We had a four week period in August slash September that we that we participated in. And then we also completed in. We also participated in uh, another small, small kind of. It was it was considered an all star game, but it was really a mock scrimmage, and that that took place in Bullhead, Arizona. But so we kind of were in this whole winter circle thing uh, from the get go, 
And then as they started up this Champions League, we actually didn't join at the very beginning. Um, still to this day, we're 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 hoping for a at least a small Trinity League kind of league to play in. But just this past week, we actually just joined up, and um, we are scheduled to have our first game this this upcoming weekend. And we've had some practices, so we've been while we've been in it for a while, uh, we haven't really started in this this whole club club real game kind of situation and. I look forward to I look forward to just joining up and being able to play with my boys. The stuff that you mentioned you did in August that was done through Winter Circle because we were not allowed to have traditional football practices. How did that come about, and who did you guys scrimmage? And was it your Servite team that did this? No, so so in they called it Hard Knocks. It was a Hard Knocks kind of. Um, that's how they advertised it, and it was really just a hundred, a hundred, a hundred twenty just kids from everywhere. We had probably 10, 10 or so kids from Servite, but it was really just to to practice get get some updated film. They they split they split our entire group into four groups and there was four small teams and from there we would scrimmage. We would it was nothing like a real game. There was no special teams, no moving the ball. I mean there was moving the ball but no uh down in distance. So no scores. It was just really to show to show what we've been working on in the offseason. Obviously, um, back then, we thought we were going to have a season in January. And then it was also, I'm not sure if it was legal to play to play like a real actual game with a scoreboard and, and referees and such. So that was really just, just for updated film and just, uh, just some mock scrimmages and practices. Have you received from that film, have you received any more contact from college coaches that you had not talked to before? Um, not really. Obviously, there's a lot of benefit. I, I kind of just my relationships with the coaches I've been talking to, talking to grew. Um, but like I said, I, I I believe that some of the offers I picked up, um, came from came from that from that experience. So, uh, I'm very thankful to Winter Circle for the opportunity that they that they put on our table. Then, so you got offers from the whole Winter Circle thing, and on top of the offers you got playing for Servite. I think most of it's from my sophomore year film, and okay. that's what that's what coaches have been telling me. But uh, I think I think Winter Circle helped as well. Okay, how long did it take for you guys to kind of get back into the 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 normalcy of hey, this is our system, this is the way we do things? Considering now your team is mostly Servite guys, because you have been going through some conditioning and stuff. But how difficult was it for you guys to to get back into that football mode, or was it pretty easy? I think it was pretty easy. We've been we've been hungry to play for for a long time now, and you know, probably one of the one of the harder things is seeing all these other states playing and having their seasons, and um, even some of them being in playoffs now are being done. That's probably one of the harder harder parts of of uh, not having a season yet. And so, just the opportunity when the opportunity came about to be able to play real games and play with our boys. I think it was it was pretty easy to jump right back in and be on board with this. When you look at this whole thing and think it's club football and and we should be thinking about, you know, you're in your off season right now, you should be lifting and and all that. A lot of people think that this is a money grab for people where where kids are getting charged a, a lot of money to play and and people are capitalizing on the desperation of of parents and kids to get film out. You can not answer the question or answer the question. How much has this cost you and your family so far as outside of the traveling and the gas for the car and the hotels, has anybody charged you any money to be on a team? I'm actually not sure. Uh, okay. I don't really have to deal with all that stuff. That's kind of what my, my parents, I mean, I, I actually, I don't want to speak on their behalf because I don't know what's happening with all that. And then I also don't want to speak on the behalf of all these guys that uh, are starting these club club leagues, I do know that Winter Circle, um, when they started this whole Champions League, I know that that was on the kids' behalf. Um, okay, I am I'm I'm sure that they're doing this for all the right reasons, and they're they're putting in. I'm sure they're pulling money out of their pocket sometimes and making countless sacrifices to to provide us with a platform and opportunity to play. So I don't I don't know about all these other leagues that started up, but I know that the league that we're in and this winter circle league, they're doing it for all the right reasons. 
and and as somebody that's been around the game and and sports and athletics and education, we we hope that people are doing it for the right reasons and you know getting you guys the film now. When you look at it, we look at the desperation of people wanting to get kids back into school and and kids playing the the, the club football games. And I've talked to several people, and and there are some legitimate players out there. I heard Corey Corey Foreman played in it. Uh, Jay Toya, who's committed to USC, was playing in it. There are some of those top top line guys playing. Yourself, you've got some Division One offers. But the other thing that this benefits, I think, and and help me out here is the kids that just want to go out and play. They want to play with their buddies. They want to get out and enjoy the sport because they may not have a chance to play in college, and this is their last opportunity to play. No, definitely. That's that's probably the biggest reason why we actually started this. Obviously, there's the benefits of getting updated film and getting offers. I mean, there's some guys on our team that would that would have a lot of offers and some even some D1 offers if – we would have had a season if and if we would have had a spring ball with those uh, spring showcases. So it definitely benefits us to get some some of these offers. But then, like you mentioned, there's some guys that are already committed. Uh, there's some big names. T Mac, T Mac from from my team, survey is one of them. Noah Avenger. He's committed to San Diego State. He's another one. Kean Burnett. He has a, he has a lot of offers. But the big reason why we're playing in this, the guys that do have offers, the reason why they're playing in this is to play, to play one more time. Um, we asked, we asked Noah Avenger and T Mac and Kean if they wanted to play. We gave them the option to sit out because they have these offers already. They don't need the, they don't need the extra film, but they, <laughs> they said yes without hesitation because we all grew up playing together. Um, a lot of these guys, Tobias Centers, for example, he's a senior at Servite. Uh, I played flag football with him. I've been playing on his team since I was six years old. So the big part, it's not just about offers. It's not about all these individual um, opportunities. It's more about being able to play a season and play with play with our seniors that we grew up with one last time. And that's got to make everybody feel good because, you know, when, when you look at a traditional season and, and you went through, you've seen it happen before where you have that senior night where everybody gets, you know, their, their little recognition and, and you play that last game. And for these guys, even though it's not for your high school with, you know, the student section there, it's at least something that they get to remember once if their playing days do come to an end after high school. Yes, sir. Definitely. And that's that's probably that's a big part of this. What what else about it do you like? Is it help keeping you sharp? Um, you know, your timing with your receivers, your own skills, so to say, as, as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to. We worked, we worked hard for so many months now since March. We've been working this off season, this um, extended off season, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity and the platform to be able to show show what we've been working on and all our hard work. I mean, I know me personally, I've been with a new with a new quarterback coach, Taylor Kelly, and 3D QB. I've been working with them once, twice a week, and. Uh, I've personally seen I, I see I've seen a lot of spurts, a lot of growth growth in my performance, and uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be able to be able to show college coaches and even other people just just how much I've been working. And and Coach Thomas is behind this. I I talked to him a little bit today, and and he said, "Hey, I'm fully supportive of of kids going off and doing this." And how much does that help you guys knowing that your own high school coach is behind this? That's that's big. Uh, he he. I'm we're lucky to have a coach that I know. I know some kids that were put in a situation where they had to choose between club and high school, and so I'm just grateful that we have a that we have a coach that's on board with this. And uh, at the end of the day, we're I'm hoping for a high school season. Uh, club club is fun. At least I get to play with my boys again. But I want to play in the Trinity League at least one more time. Um, like I mentioned before, I I really feel like we have a we have a good chance to take it all this year. So I'm still hoping and praying for a Trinity league season. And when it comes to, I'm just, like I said, I'm grateful that coach Thomas is on board with this. We're still doing everything we can. Uh, we still go to practice uh, twice a week. Whenever we have practice at Servite, we're on, we're on our zoom lifting with our team. So he, we're grateful that we're, he's on board, but we're also, we're on board with him and uh, we're just, we're all on the same page with this. Well, that that's great, and and I know a lot of guys that that have coaches that are very supportive of it, and 
Some are not so supportive of it. And, and I think the ones that are not supportive of it are the ones that may be afraid that they may lose kids. And, and, you know, somebody like coach Thomas, who runs a tremendous program, you know, you guys, you know, where home is, and that's in a friar uniform um, with coach Thomas. And, and it's great that you guys have this opportunity to go out and do that. How many games are you guys scheduled to play this weekend? This week's just one game. So I'm pretty sure it's one game a week. Uh, and then I think we have we have four four weeks left of this. So we have four games. And uh, I look I look forward to every every one. Well, Noah, that's awesome. I'm I'm happy for you guys. Um you know, and, and everybody that's at least getting to participate, especially the seniors that get to play there one last time. Um, because this is something that you'll remember forever. It's high school football. You, uh, you know, ask Coach Thomas about his days. He remembers them like they were yesterday. Yes, uh, but thank you for taking the time to do this. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope you're doing well. And, and once again, like I said on our last podcast with each other, hope to get out and see the Friars compete this year against anybody. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. You go have a good day, and we'll talk soon. You as well. The other day I had an idea about finding out where some of our alumni are from the Southern section, whatever the school, whatever the sport, whatever the, the business or field that people are into. And I, I was bouncing around Twitter and I saw one and I'll start with this. I want to call it something like, where are they now or the next level? And we will start this week with CJ Miller from Chaminade High School. CJ's dad, John, was a Crespi High School graduate 1980, was a phenomenal pitcher, went on to the University of Pepperdine and was also a pretty standout football player. And I saw on social media that CJ was a preferred walk-on at Marshall University. And CJ played for Ed Croson at Chaminade. And to see that, that our kids from our section are going off and doing great things and and finding places that fit for them. Uh, congratulations to CJ and the thundering herd of Marshall University. If you've got any ideas or you know of people that are out doing special things, please send me an email and let me know what they are up to, and I will include them in the podcast. I would like to thank my guests, Rob Maxey, Damian Porter, and Noah Fafita for coming on to talk about this whole club football experience, I guess we'll call it. Um, next week, what I'm planning to do is, is try and get some people on that are not so in favor of it because I believe in in reporting both sides of the story. As we know that there are people that are very much for this and there are people that are pretty much against it. So until the next time, stay safe. Let's continue to social distance. Let's do our best to get these numbers down. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.